The following audio is from Christ Presbyterian Church in Nashville, Tennessee, where our mission is to follow Christ and His mission of loving people, places, and things to life. For more information about Christ Presbyterian Church, please visit ChristPres.org. Our scripture reading today is from Genesis 1-1 and then Genesis 1-26 through 2-3. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Then God said, let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the earth and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, Behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of all the earth, and every tree with seed in its fruit. You shall have them for food. And to every beast of the earth, and to every bird of the heavens, and to everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has the breath of life, I have given every green plant for food. And it was so. And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning the sixth day. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them, And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Emily. Hello, everybody. It's good to see you all here this morning. My name's Russ Ramsey. If we haven't met, I'm the pastor here at Christ Pres's Cool Springs location. We're in a different room today. We're normally um, right on the other. So the kids ministry is all happening on the other side of this air wall right here. And there's a big hallway you walk down. We're usually right on the other side of that. Um, a couple of things before we get into this uh, sermon. You, you, you've probably heard some bells ringing. Listen, I don't want to give too much away, but uh, on October 20th, we're going to have that, that family service over there, and uh, the kids are all going to be a part of it, and there's, there's going to be a handbell choir. And so what you're hearing is the, in, the, the, the focused, intense preparation that goes into that, and uh, so just, you know, respect the process. And, uh, and just be patient, because that's coming up. Today is, uh, actually, today is the one-year anniversary of Christ Pres Cool Springs. Uh, so, yeah, we, we, we had our very first uh, Sunday worship service, the first Sunday of October 2018. And it's the first Sunday of October 2019. So we made it, guys. We made it. We're on our way. We're going to celebrate that on the 20th, because that's the family service and the picnic and and all of that, we're going we're gonna to do it up and have a little bit of a party. But uh, just at, personally, I, I would just like to say that um, this year of pastoral 
ministry, and this is not hyperbole when I say this, has been the most fulfilling year of ministry for me as a guy who's been in ministry for a long time. Um, and I have loved uh, being a part of getting this congregation off of the ground and going. And one of the things that I love so much about it is that uh, I can't talk about what's happened at Christ Prez Cool Springs as though I did it. Um, it's always a we did it and you all did it and we, we've, we, we've made it to this point. Um, but this, is, this congregation, you guys have been just such a gift. And uh, many of the people who have served in that capacity can't hear me right now because they're serving on the other side of that wall. Um, and uh, many of you are often over there. Uh, but um, I'm just so thankful. I'm so thankful. So... Uh, Quick review of where we're going. Uh, we've been in this sermon series, uh, which we're calling Worship Connect Serve. And this sermon series is a walk through our mission uh, and vision as a church. And so we've been kicking off the fall with this series. We're in the fifth part of a six-part series. So we have this week and next. And I wanted to give you a quick review of where we've been in this series. Um, each part of this, Worship Connect and Serve, has had two sermons devoted to each. And with each sermon at all three locations, we have um, issued a particular ask to the congregation as a whole. So it's not just been Cool Springs, but it's been Cool Springs and Old Hickory and Music Row, uh, where each preacher has, has put these asks to the congregation. Um, and so I want to just quickly review them. And uh, so the first one is, was this, was be fully present with the church every Sunday. Uh, and you can hear all these sermons online for more context, um, but, but that was the first one, is, is pour yourself into the local church. Second, uh, the second week was be fully present with Jesus every day. Uh, this is the, uh, if you want to think of it as the Monday through Saturday active process of discipleship, of growing in scripture and in prayer. Uh, and then we moved into connect and those two asks were these. Take every opportunity to gather with your group. Uh, we're a church that has lots of opportunities for you to connect in smaller groups. We have connect groups. We have uh, missional communities like we were just talking about with New Hope. Uh, there are lots of opportunities for this. Take every opportunity to gather with your people. Don't be alone, uh, but be, be, be in community with other people. And then, and then last week, we talked about befriend and bring in people who don't have a church home. Uh, that we would be an outward-facing church, that we would be Christians in public. Uh, and so this morning, then, we move into the category of serve. And the two asks, I'm going to read them both. The one be right here is, is uh, today is, is strengthen the church by serving and giving. So this is a focus on serving the church specifically. And then next week, we're going to talk about enhance flourishing by serving your work and your world and people in need. And so... Uh, these last two in, in this serve category, uh, really, there's, there's just a ton of overlap uh, in them. Uh, one of the key distinctives is focusing this week on serving the church, and then next week serving beyond the church. Uh, that being said, um, what I'd like for us to do and the way I'm approaching this um, in my sermon prep is that I, I'm kind of treating these as basically one sermon kind of cut in half. Uh, so, so I'm going to give you half of, of this today because there's a lot of overlap here um, and it overlaps out of necessity. But, uh, but, um, so anyway, so I'm going to treat it as kind of a big single idea and we'll just spend time in it for the next two weeks. All right. So the chief idea though in this 
is that our work matters to God. Our work matters to God. Uh, I grew up uh, thinking that um, a job was a necessary evil, uh, something that you just had to do in order to pay bills. But when you look at what scripture has to say about work, what we learn is that we were created to work. Work is not an effect of the fall. It's not a consequence of the fall. It's, 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 it's part of human purpose. So work existed before the fall happened. Now, there's a lot that's frustrated and complicated because of the fall. And we, in this room, we struggle with these things, right? So, so the difficulty of work is a result of the fall. Um, the identity crises that we attach to our work is a result of the fall. The love of money that's present in us as we're chasing work is a part of the fall. The way we regard work as our chief end sometimes rather than glorifying God, that's an effect of the fall. But work itself is not. We're created for this. And so we're going to get into that in, this, in, these, in these next two weeks and talk about how, how we have this vision and a desire um, for flourishing disciples at Christ Presbyterian Church uh, to be people who would regard our work as something that is not a necessary evil, but is actually something the Lord has given us that's holy and that's good. And for some of us, this may be really, really basic. And for others of us, this may be a paradigm-shifting kind of thing to think about, but it's important that we talk about it. So let me give you an outline. If you like an outline of where we're going, uh, I kind of have three key ideas that I'm going to be talking about. They don't all start with the same letter. And the three ideas are these. We're going to start, if you think about it, the, the outline is basically concentric circles that start here and then get smaller and smaller, the focus does. So the first is we're going to discuss a general theology of work. And then in that, we're going to talk about specifically calling and vocation. And then lastly, we're going to focus specifically on serving the local church. So that'll unpack as we go and, and make, be a little bit more clear. But let's, let's get into that. So the text that we read from Genesis, uh, some refer to as the first great commission. It's the place where the Lord says to the whole of humanity, which at that point was two people, he says to them, work. I'm putting you down in a garden. And I'm saying to you, tend it. Take care of it. We were created to create. We were created to make things. I was just talking with Nate Yoder this morning, who's sitting back there. He's one of our elders. And one of the things Nate does is he builds. Uh, and he builds all kinds of things. But he's been building a pizza oven uh, in, his, in his backyard, right off the back of his house. Uh, it's one of those that gets, you know, like a thousand degrees and cooks a pizza in 90 seconds. Um, seriously, it's one of those. But it, it's, he's been in the process of putting the brick around it. And he did two rows of brick yesterday on it. And he was showing me pictures and talking about how, just how much he loves that work. And how there's this connection to beauty and it's art. And I totally get that. We were, we were made for this. We were made to, to be able to do things and to step back and get satisfaction out of it. And... Uh, and that's part of the origin of, of humanity, is this, this first great commission where the Lord says to everyone, to people, but to everyone, work. And what I, what I want us to notice is the inherent dignity uh, in this quality that we share when it comes to working. Because what's happening there is the Lord is saying to people, I made you in my image and I work. I made you in my image and I create. 
I imagine. And so you do that too. It's not because there's just lots of jobs that need to be done. And if somebody, if somebody doesn't do them, things are going to fall apart. It's that, it's that being made in the image of God who is a worker means that we are inherently workers. We have this role of being stewards and caretakers. And that's a reflection of God himself who is a steward and who is a caretaker even though he's the owner the possessor of everything, the dominion that God gives to humanity over all creation is to the one part of creation that distinctly bears his image to human beings. And so God works and is a reflection of him, so do we. And that's why we're really careful to never make a distinguishing, to never distinguish between important spiritual work and less important secular jobs. Because there's no such thing as a less important secular job. All work contributes, all work that's worthy of hire, right? It contributes to the flourishing of this planet, of the creatures, the animals, the people, the plants that inhabit it. And all of that work is holy. It all matters. So the garbage collector, right, is working against decay for the society, the designer is somebody who's seeking to put together beauty and function. The entrepreneur is seeking to solve the problem of introducing something new and useful. The artist is somebody who takes mystery and beauty and wonder and awe and holds it forth and then invites us to consider matters of the heart. We need these things and so much more. It's a pretty basic theological principle, but one I think that our culture loses sight of. And that's this. There is no sacred secular divide when it comes to work. The oncology nurse is no less involved in the Lord's business than I am on a week-in, week-out basis. So... Part of the purpose for our existing is to engage. It's to engage with the world that the Lord has set us down in, to love it, to care for it. In fact, all of the things that we've talked about in the sermon series before, be present with the church every Sunday, be present with Jesus every day, find your group, connect with it, invite people in, bring people in. It's all a call to be present and engaged with the life that the Lord has given you. And we're called to this. And so, and so we're called to look at what God has made, to see that it's very good, to engage with this life that we've been given. And as we think about that as a church, and as I think about that as a pastor, what I want for our congregation is that, that we would be people who would be living intentionally engaged lives with the Lord and with the people around us. Which is another way, right, of summarizing what Jesus described as, you know, the greatest law and the second greatest law. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Engage with him with everything you have and are. Love your neighbor as yourself. Engage with the people around you. I, one of the things I love about the Genesis passage is that we learn something. <clears throat> we learn that our parents, our first parents, Adam and Eve, were landscapers. Um, which makes that then the true oldest profession, right? <laughs> Landscaping. 
I was a landscaper for a lot of years. That's my trade, right? If I had, if I had a trade, uh, it, landscaping is it. I started working in landscaping when I was about 19 years old fell in love with it. It's instant gratification. You get to work with the earth. You get to make things beautiful. You get to step back all sweaty and dirty and say, ah, and then you get up the next day and you do it again. But our first parents, this was their job too. They tended to Eden and it was important work and it was fulfilling for them. And then the fall came and it complicated and frustrated work, but one of the beautiful components to our work now, this side of the fall, is that we have this holy privilege as people who work, and when I say work, I don't mean necessarily a job you're paid to do, I mean the thing that occupies your time, that you're helping with, that you're helping to make better. We have this holy privilege of being able, by God's grace, to push back against the darkness with our work. So we actually get to work in a way that is helping to put right what is wrong. We get to have a role in mending what's broken. We get to have a role in standing up what is toppled over. We get to have a role in healing what's afflicted. We get to have a role in adorning with beauty what's ugly. And that's, that's amazing. And so I want to encourage you with this. Uh, you may look at your work and wonder how much of a difference it makes. How much of a difference you make with all the time that you're spending. But here's the good news. You're never going to be responsible for making all the difference in anyone's life. You're never going to be responsible for being the only person who gets to make a difference in somebody else's life. Instead, what you get to do, and I find this to be very encouraging, is you get to contribute. You get to contribute in a plurality of voices. You get to play a part. And that part you play gets added to the myriad of other parts that other people play. And so you come alongside and you do this while this other person is doing this other thing, but they come together and they help each other and they, and they flesh out the picture. I think about this with counselors. There are counselors in the room here, people who this is what they do for their work is they counsel with people. And counselors know they, they're not fixers. They're not people who have this magic book that has all the answers to all the frustrations that people are going through, has all the <laughs> cures to all of the wounds people experience. But what they get to do is they get to play a part in helping that person who's lost in the woods find the trail again. And I so admire that. And one of the things I admire about that is how, because I experienced some of this as a pastor too, is I can go so far with you, but then no further. There's a point I can go with you, but I can't, I can't solve things for you. And yet at the same time, I get to play a part, and it's a meaningful part, and the Lord brings others into that mix. You don't have to do or be everything in your work. But you get to do and be part of lots of things. So that's kind of a general theology of work is we're made for this. And on this side of the fall, the Lord uses our work to push back against the darkness. So this work in general, let's, let's get now a little bit more specific and talk about vocation and calling and work itself. 
before we get into focusing on the local church. And I want to define some terms because I think this is helpful. I think we can, we can kind of conflate the idea of a calling and a vocation and a job as kind of being three words for about the same thing. But, but it might be helpful to, 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 to discuss a little bit of the difference between a calling and a vocation and a job. And these are, these are my, the way I define them. You, you can split hairs. You can define them different ways. But this is how I do it. A calling is an obligation. A calling is something that everybody, that you're called to. That, that you're, you're called to. Everybody's called to. It's something that we're, that we're it's, it's, it's a necessity. Right? It's an obligation. So you're called to act justly. You are called to love mercy. You are called to walk humbly with God. You are called to worship. We're called to work. The vocation then is what we work at, right? So my vocation, I'm called to work. My vocation is, I'm, I'm, I, as I understand it, is I'm a pastor and, a, and an author. I'm a pastor and a writer. Those are the, when I think about work, that's what I think of myself as. Right? So your vocation is what you're called to work at. I work in medicine. I work in counseling. I work in construction. I work in engineering. I work in building. The job then is where you do it. Right? So you have your calling. I'm called to work. I have a vocation. This is the area that I work in. The job is where you do that work specifically. So I work at Vanderbilt Hospital. You know, or I, I you know, is, does that help? that help us think kind of about like the, the difference because the reason it matters is jobs change jobs even vocations change some of us have more than one vocation some of us have jobs that we that we hate and we have them for a season and we don't like doing them um, I have one that I happen to love right now um, but I've had jobs that I have truly despised have any of you had jobs that you despised I think, I think, personally, I think it's an important thing for a person to have for a season of their life a job they hate. Uh, I had one. I worked on an assembly line uh, at a packaging plant for pharmaceutical equipment. So I was putting little boxes in bigger boxes, and they were 10-hour shifts. And so for 10 hours a day, I was putting little boxes in bigger boxes on, a, on an assembly line. And it was one of those jobs, 10 hours. We work four days a week, so we got our 40 hours in, Monday through Thursday. And it was one of those jobs where they had this cartoonishly large clock on the wall. And it had the hand. It wasn't a digital clock. It was the one that had hands, you know? And so you would just see it kind of like slowly. go. And it, you know, I would play these games with myself where I would say, all right, I'm not going to look at the clock for 15 minutes. And I would exercise the deepest willpower known to man. And then when I would finally look up, seven minutes had passed. <laughs> and a little bit of my soul would just fall out of me onto the floor. This is a place where the assembly line, they had a, <laughs> under the clock, there was a red button on the wall. And the red button stopped the line. And the person who was the line foreman would stop the line when somebody had messed up or when it was time for our break or when it was time for lunch. Breaks were 15 minutes, not 16 minutes, 15 minutes. And we would all, they'd, they'd hit the red button and we'd all kind of file off into this coffee room, fluorescent lights, formica furniture, styrofoam cups, food service coffee, powdered creamer, 
and we would sit there and we'd drink our coffee for 14 and a half minutes and then we would go back and then when that second hand would get right up to the minute, the red button would be pushed and it would start all over again. I'm not making this up. I did that job and it felt like an eternity. I did it for four weeks. (laughs) But it felt like I should have been given a silver watch when I was done. Oh, the other thing about that job that was really funny, I, this is completely off topic, but was we started our morning with calisthenics, um, where they made us all go into, the, into the, the, the warehouse room where it was big and open, and there was this poster on the wall of, of calisthenic exercises, like toe touches and neck bends, and you know, you'd swivel your arms and things like that. And everybody had to take a turn leading it, which meant you stood by the poster and looked at it, and said, okay, uh, toe touches. Let's do four of these. <laughs> and so we all had, it just was, it was good comedy. Um, anyway, it was a job I hated. Uh, some of us have jobs like that. And we don't stay in them forever. Uh, some of us move around in our work. We have several careers, right? I, I love hearing stories of people who, who spent 25 years doing one thing and then just started another vocation later in life, uh, started another career path uh, completely. Many of us do more than one job in this town. You throw a rock, you're going to hit somebody who uh, tax season is very complicated uh, because there's so many different jobs that we, that we cobble together to make a living. Some people, it's rare, but some people find a job and they, and they work it until they retire. They stay at the same place. This used to happen um, more often than it does now, but it's a very rare thing. But jobs change. Vocations even change. And there's great freedom here, right? The teacher can go sell real estate. The data analyst can join the forest service. The salesperson can, can, can buy a food truck. Right? We, we can do things like this. Vocations and jobs change. But the call to work doesn't change. The call to work doesn't change. There's no biblical precedent for retiring to a life of leisure. Now, you can retire from a job because it has a system for retirement, but you're not going to find a biblical case for retiring to go do nothing. Right? As long as you're able, as long as you're able in life to work in some way. You're called to work in some way. Not as drudgery, but as a way of investing in the life that you've been given in the people around you. You Y'all heard me not... You didn't hear what I didn't say, right? Like, y'all heard me say, you can can retire from a job that you're working at. I want to be clear about that. If 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 your job has a retirement policy and you retire from it, awesome. But what I'm saying is... There's no biblical precedent for retiring from the call to work and serve. Unless you're unable. Unless you're unable. And it's this principle that we see in Genesis 1. Is that we're called to tend the garden in some way. To serve and to give. And the principle that we get from Genesis 1 is that often the work that we're called to is the work that's in front of us. It's the work that's in front of us. It's very rare for a person to say, I, I, I want to go to work and what I'm going to do is I'm going to move halfway around the world and get involved in something I have really no connection to whatsoever. Usually, there was a philosopher and writer named Iris Murdoch who said, at the crucial moment of choice, most of the business of choosing is already over. Right? That we've, we've already 
found the things that we're interested in and the circles of people that we're connected to and the things we've done that we've done well and people have said, you're good at that, right? But we often do the work that's in front of us. And so it's not this mystery of, of just pulling a job out of a hat at random, but it's doing the thing that's in front of us to tend to the garden we're in. We're called to tend to what we're already a part of. And this, this brings us then to serving the local church. A key component to our vision at Christ Presbyterian Church is built on one of the membership vows, actually, that people take when they become a member. It's membership vow number four. And that is uh, a resolve and humble reliance upon the grace of the Holy Spirit to serve the church and its worship and its work to the best of my ability. Right? That I will be a contributing part of the church that I'm a part of. This is not because... We have 50 kids in the nursery and somebody's got to watch them. We do have 50 kids in the nursery and somebody does have to watch them. But that's not why we would want to say, hey, it's important for you to serve the church. It's important to serve the church because it's your church. It's your church. This is about more than giving, even though giving is very much a part of that, right? Giving of our money. Supporting the church and its, and its ability to thrive and carry out the ministry uh, that the Lord has set in front of us. That's certainly a part of it. But this is about cultivating a culture where anyone who considers this church home would, say, would, would never say, the church is a place where I go. Instead, what they would say, I am the church. The church is not just a commodity in my life. It's not just a place I go. I am the church. It's I, I am the church. We're not engaging the congregation on the subject of serving and giving because we want free labor. It's really, from a biblical perspective, it's a fight for our hearts, right? What scripture is fighting for, with love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, love your neighbor as yourself, it's fighting for us to be engaged, to be engaged with the life we've been given. We're not engaging because we need help. It's a fight for our hearts that we would see, that we would embrace, that we would live out the calling to be people who steward well the garden that the Lord has placed us in. When you consider the work life of the Christian, this makes sense, that part of the work life of every believer would be some of my time goes to serving the church that I'm a part of. Because along with whatever family and job responsibilities we have, we belong to the body of Christ. And one part can't say to the other, I don't need you. And one part can't say to the other, I withhold myself from you. If we see ourselves as more than just church attenders, and we see ourselves rather as the church itself, then part of the work in front of us, part of the garden that we're in, is to pour ourselves into the life of the local church and to serve in that way. We're to be part of this community of faith. And so the maturing member of this community doesn't just take, but they give and they serve and they invest. And part of the joy for me, frankly, um, has been of serving this particular congregation is I have to, I'm not making this up. We, our congregation among Christ Pres and people who visit here, we have a reputation. And the reputation is 
This is a church where an army of people come together to pull it off. And it's true. It's, it's the truth. I see it every week. I hear from people who visit, people who are out of town, people who have, who have come to help in the, in the music team, who have, who have looked at this congregation and have said, it's, it's impressive what's happening here, the, the, the way people come together to make this happen. And my response to that is always, isn't it amazing? Isn't it amazing? It's one of my great joys of seeing how many of you serve in so many ways. When I was a young pastor in Kansas City, my, my first church that I was leading, we would have need for volunteers, and I didn't really know how to ask people to serve very well. And so one of the things I would do from time to time is I would see a need in the church, and I would go up to somebody in the church, and I would say, would you do me a favor? And one of the older people in our church came along, put his arm around me, and said, you need to stop saying that. You need to stop treating serving the church as though it's a personal favor to you. As though if you could, you would do everything. You're just at capacity. And so you need somebody to come in and help you and do you a favor. That was important for me to hear. Because what he was saying is, look, if somebody's serving in the church, pastor, they're not doing you a favor. And you are, and it's me, I, I would be disrespecting the role that the church plays by suggesting that anybody who's serving here that all it is is a favor to me, because it's not. This is a community of faith where we are together and we're building and we're deepening in this. Your, your service to the local church that you're a part of is an extension of your work life as a believer. It's an extension of your calling to be engaged. And that's really what we're after with every sermon in this series, is that we would be people who are engaged with this life that we've been given. We're not called to work ourselves to death. God himself rested from his work and he made it a command for us to rest as well and to keep this day holy, that rest would be part of the rhythm of living an intentional life. But that intentional life is one that is marked by worship and it's marked by connection and it's marked by service. And it's the kind of life we're called to. And by the grace of Christ, it's also the kind of life that we're equipped for. And so we tend the garden that's in front of us. We tend the place where the Lord has set us down. We have this calling to work. We have vocations. We have jobs. But the body of Christ is the people. And so we're called to serve and so that's, that's the ask this week is strengthen the church by serving and giving. And look, the percentage of people who are already doing this is so high in this room that there's a part of me that feels like the sermon is a little redundant. And yet at the same time as I'm preparing it, it's a good reminder for me to remember that I'm, I'm called to be engaged and to be present and so are you. And so that's our, that's our prayer and that's the ask for this week. Let me pray. Lord, uh, thank you for, for the year of life that our congregation here has had um, in being mostly here in this hotel and uh, those Sundays when you have us over at the movie theater, that's a, a gift as well where we get to pull together and adapt and, 
and, and find our way and, and enjoy your presence meeting us wherever we are. Uh, Lord, thank you for the call that you've given us to a life that is engaged, uh, that your desire for your people is not that we would just um, kind of hunker down and, and wait for the end, that we wouldn't be people whose primary objective in this life is just to get through it uh, so that we can go be with you in glory, but that in this life now, you call us to engage, you call us to invest, and you use that investment and that engagement to push back the darkness. And so, Lord, help us. Help us to be able to see and hone in on places in our work uh, where we have the opportunity to do just that. Uh, protect us and prevent us from, from uh, making a sacred-secular distinction Uh, in our work, because if you've called us to labor, if you've called us to work, then we do our work before you, Uh, and and Lord, you work through us, and you work in us, and so we thank you for that. We thank you that our lives are not a waste, um, but they have uh, the power to affect change. Um, Thankful for your kindness and your mercy. It's in your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen.